welcome to Brain Chat. I'm Dr. Mitzi Joy Williams, your board-certified neurologist and MS specialist, and my mission is to engage, educate, and empower those affected by MS to become an active part of their healthcare team. Here on Brain Chat, we'll be discussing all things MS, health and wellness, advocacy, and we'll even throw a little bit of music and music therapy in there as well. Thank you so much for joining us, and stay tuned for the next episode. Hello, happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to Brain Chat. It's Dr. Mitzi, the nerdy neurologist. I am so, so excited to be here with you guys on this Monday of MS Awareness Month. Um, there's so many exciting events going on, and I am so pumped about the guests that I have hanging out with me tonight. I have two of my super, super friends that I'm going to bring up to the stage. So, Without further ado, I'm going to introduce my amazing guest. Um, I have with me Dr. Heidi Creighton, who is an amazing neurologist, MSologist, as the new uh, term goes. And she is the medical director of the Greater Washington um, Multiple Sclerosis Center. Um, she actually has worked in academic settings. She was at Georgetown. And currently, her MS center is the only freestanding non-academic MS center in the mid-Atlantic. So she does some amazing work as a clinician, as a researcher, as a speaker, both nationally and internationally. And I am so honored that she's coming to hang out with me today. Welcome, Dr. Creighton. And also, um, we have Tyler Campbell, powerhouse speaker, MS advocate, author, Radio show host, real life, real talk, all the things. It is always a good time with Tyler. So I am so excited to have these two amazing folks with me tonight. And welcome to Brain Chat, Dr. Creighton and Tyler. Happy Monday. Hey, hey, hey. What's going on? Let's go. Hey, listen, Dr. Creighton came in there with that fat Albert. Hey, hey, hey. Right. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) <laughs> I have not thought about Fat Albert in quite some time. Thank come you on, for sparking that memory. Thank you. Nice. Yeah, I remember. Nice. Yeah, it's Fat nice. Albert. All right. Okay, so let's get right into it. So, um, you know, whenever we start a show on Brain Chat, you know, j- just for those who may be new tuning in or those who may not have met you on previous episodes, just we'll start with Tyler. Tell us a little bit about your journey into the world of MS and your diagnosis. Yeah, absolutely. So I was diagnosed as a college student um, in that that age bracket. I was 21 years old. So kind mm-hmm. of that 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 younger demographic with MS back in 2007. And Mitzi, I think the main thing is I was diagnosed very quickly. Mm-hmm. OK, and if I if I have to be honest and feel free as as MSologists, the both of you to to chime in, um, I learned honestly that the earlier I was diagnosed, That's almost what the man of above blessed to save my life. Mm -hmm. That is not everybody else's reality, um, but that is the thing that keeps me humble. And that's why I advocate so much now. The more we speak, the more awareness that is raised, the more things like brain chat that are available. Um, We are helping people to, to learn those symptoms, stay in tune with it, and to get diagnosed early. It will help you out tremendously. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And what about you, Dr. Creighton? How did you get into the wonderful world of MS? You know, because I did a fellowship with one of our colleagues, Dr. Mary Hughes, one of my uh, mentors and really good friends. But when I was coming along, fellowship or training in MS was really a new thing. And so Mm -hmm. people who were in the field of MS really did it because they loved it and they loved working with the people and they just kind of, you know, forged this path, you know, so that many of us could you know, go on to do extra training, you know, to focus on this area and to focus on helping people with MS. So tell us a little bit about how you got interested or how you got into the field. You know, I really wanted to be a stroke neurologist because I really wanted to make a difference. I wanted to do something that would actually be able to help people. And it was my mentor, uh, the person who was doing MS at Georgetown, who said, I really think you should do this. And I said, ah, but I want to do something where I can really help people. Mm. And he just kind of said, no, this is, I think you really, really, really would would love this. And he knew me better than I knew myself because I fell madly head over heels in love with MS. So I did it kind of because I was, I was kind of steered in that direction and it, I just have never looked back. I can't imagine doing anything else. Just like you. We love it. Amazing. Amazing. You know, and so, you know, every medical specialty for those who are watching Brain Chat, if you don't know, we all make fun of each other. And so the thing that they (laughs) used to say about neurologists was that what we diagnose and say adios because we couldn't do anything about the conditions, you know, but that has not been the case with MS. And it's been so exciting to see how things have changed over time and how we have so many options and we can really manage it a lot better than we could even, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But just so you know, you know, everybody makes fun. I won't say what we say about other people, but that's what they used to say about us. Uh, but I think that's no longer the case because Ooh, there are many I'm so happy we- I didn't hear that going into the clinic. <laughs> Exactly. Diagnose the adios. That's what they used to say back in the day. There was nothing that you could do. There was really nothing to do but pat people on the back, give them some steroids and say, well, let me know if you have something else, any other fire I need to put out. But there was nothing to do to prevent those events from happening. And everything is different now. It is. And what an exciting time. All right. So let's kind of get into this topic of MS awareness. This is MS Awareness Month. And I think one of the things that really came to mind with this episode, you know, and you all are so eloquent um, with kind of expressing things about the diagnosis and, you know, um, you know, giving tips for people to, to move forward is I first want to talk about some of the statistics, right? So our understanding, you know, obviously the way that we treat MS has changed over time, but our understanding of MS has also changed over time. You know, so we know that it affects often people in their 20s to 40s, right? Tyler, you said you were 21 when you were diagnosed. Um, We know that many of the people living in the U.S. right now with MS are actually in their 50s and 60s, right? The largest population of people right now who are diagnosed in the States are between that age group, right? So people are living longer, right? There are different things that um, we need to be thinking about. Uh, We know it affects women more than men. That's something we know in a long time. Um, And we also know that there are different ethnicities that may be more affected than others, right? So more studies are suggesting that MS occurs much more commonly in Black and Hispanic populations than we previously thought. So, you know, there's a lot that we're learning kind of about the statistics. Is there anything else that you would add, Dr. Creighton, um, about kind of what we know about MS in the U.S. in particular? You know, we've always talked about the fact that, that Black men have the most involved MS, that's certainly always been the population that we really, really are hyper-focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always been very interesting to me that the statistics actually show that 
that black women have a much, much higher incidence than black men. Black mm-hmm. men really pretty, you know, pretty equivalent to white men. And black women are, you know, one to one and a half times more likely they have a higher incidence. Um, so that I think is always whenever I hear that and I hear it repeatedly and I'm always a little bit taken aback by that because I used to be so focused on on the black male experience. Yeah. But and and my practice is certainly showing that to be true. I think yours, mm-hmm. I assume yours is, too. We see Absolutely. much, you know, a lot more black women coming into the door. And it's mm-hmm. it's surprising. Yeah, absolutely. And then what do you think about this number, right? So, you know, prior to 2018, the MS Society, you know, they came out with this study in 2018 telling us that nearly a million people in the U.S. had MS. And I found it very interesting because prior to that, we would just kind of double the number every decade or so, right? When I first started practicing, it was 200,000. And then magically it was 400,000. Now we know it's a million, right? And when you think about the incidents around the world, which is estimated to be 2.8 million, that means over a third of people living with MS, Live There's a lot state. of MS out there. There's a lot Which of MS is, out there. I think that's really striking. I think we don't talk about that enough. You know, mm-hmm. Tyler, as a person living with MS, when you were first diagnosed, have you seen a big difference in, you know, the number of people around you that you know or kind of who's in your sphere of influence who's been diagnosed? Do you notice a difference now than you did when you were first diagnosed? Honestly, I'm, and I'm going to be real, um, I feel a lot ease of pressure mm-hmm. for explanation of the diagnosis mm. if I'm winding back to 2007. And I, mm. you know, I, I I don't, you know, there's a lot of things uh, that I, you know, that that kind of tug at me a little bit, but I, I feel upbeat whenever I know that individuals are newly diagnosed mm-hmm. and it's not so much of a foreign language mm. in the rest of the world. Yeah. And I get excited about that. That's why things like what we're doing tonight and what you all have been literally fighting for all of your careers um, when you look at a newly diagnosed population, I get excited because there's more of a discussion now. Right. Um, there's a long way to go down this road. That's why mm-hmm. we're still here doing what we're doing. Right. But it is a heck of a lot better for me um, to hear more conversations about MS than it was back in 2007, y'all. Yeah. And so when I think of somebody newly diagnosed, already going through their go through, having to figure out a whole new world. Right. The fact that they have the higher chance of beating someone, talking with someone, um, having uh, more people on their job who are aware. And y'all don't know about y'all, but I look at job applications nowadays when I see them from other people or when I walk into different professions and there's a check mark for multiple sclerosis. And y'all wow. all know that that yeah. was not the same. It was not had people entering the workforce right. who would rather not say anything mm-hmm. out of worry because it wasn't even something that was recognizable and that could have stood in the way between you and your employment. Right. Um, so right. those are my different changes now that I kind of, yeah. I'll take the other route. I get excited about it. I'm not saying I want you to have MS, right. but, but my goodness, it's, it's better than 2007 and, and beyond those in the fifties and sixties of what, what they had to go through at their age um, now. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I hear that I'm, all the time. I actually hear exactly what, what you were just talking about all the time when somebody's kind of newly diagnosed or their diagnosis is confirmed and they, the next visit, they say, you know, somehow I heard about this person and this person and this person I work with. And then my, my best friend, her best friend, like all these people come out of the woodwork and before people know it, they have this community of people that they even knew and didn't know that they had MS. Absolutely. And, it's it's 
it's not this big secret anymore. Agreed. Agreed. It's kind of like when you buy a new car, right? So I bought this Hyundai not too long ago and I never saw it on the road. And then once I got one, look like I saw them everywhere. <laughs> Everybody had my car in the same color, you know? And so it's kind of the same with them. You know? a, a, a simple analogy, but a lot of my patients are like, I don't know anybody that has it. And then they go home with that next yes, visit. You As you said, Dr. Crane, it's like, oh, well, my cousin and the lady next door and the lady at church and then the other person down the street, you know, all these people have MS, right? So we everybody want... Has MS. Everybody yeah, has everybody MS. Has so it. we want to raise awareness, right? Because despite the fact that people are getting diagnosed um, much more frequently than they were before, there's still some barriers and there's still some people that aren't coming to diagnosis early. So I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about symptoms. One of the things that um, people often come into the office and talk to me about is, you know, they had something dramatic, like they lost vision in an eye and that may have led to diagnosis. But then when we start digging, you know, it's like, you know, for the past couple of years, when I go walking with my auntie, my leg has been dragging and it starts slapping the ground. And I'm like, well, what happened? Like, why didn't you come see somebody about like, it's not normal for your leg to be dragging. Right. So let's talk about some of the symptoms and some of the things that people should be on the lookout for. So Tyler, start with you and tell us a little about the symptoms that led to your diagnosis. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, I, I work, really hard, Dr. Creighton. Dr. Missy knows this. Like I, I really try to look back over my life and evaluate. And and I've been really, really hard on myself in terms of the years before getting diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And if I had to be open and honest about it, and I wrote about it a lot, I experienced chronic fatigue more than anybody else on my football team. MS was giving signs that your body isn't necessarily right if I'm looking at my ages of 19 and 20 upon getting to California for college. Mm. And so if I want to be honest, when I, and, and instead of, of saying something, I worked harder, which was not beneficial to my body, putting it in the overload and finally having that aha moment of waking up and falling flat on my face. But if Tyler has to be honest, Tyler could have taken the early signs that his body was putting before him before the paralysis, before the uncontrollable uh, neck jerking twitch, mm. the slurred speech. And those were the official things that led to the MS diagnosis. But I didn't know that fatigue could very well have been a hint that something may not be right with your body. Yeah. Check in with yeah. that. And, and I think so. I say those other things all the time, but I had fatigue issues for two years going to California versus growing up you know, in Texas. Mm-hmm. And so I, you I had fatigue, myself for that. Mm-hmm. And then you had weakness. And that's what sent you to the doctor. You tried to get up and walk and then you mm-hmm. couldn't walk. An uncontrollable twitch. Yes, An uncontrollable ma'am. twitching. Wow. You know, so let's let's pause right there for a second. And Dr. Creighton, let's talk about this thing that's been, you know, kind of brewing, so to speak, in the MS community in terms of in the scientific community about this MS prodrome, right? So what we're finding is that people come to diagnosis with some type of dramatic symptom, right? Either they lose vision or like Tyler, you get up and try to walk and you can't walk. But we're trying to learn more about what we call this prodrome, which are kind of the symptoms that could be leading up to MS, right? And so we're finding that, you know, maybe the couple years or even up to 10 years before diagnosis, 
people start going to the doctor for things like fatigue, other things that we can't quite put our finger on. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I we all we all hear this story. Um, I saw a, a, a gentleman who um, I diagnosed as a grown up, you know, forties, and interestingly, he had been treated for erectile dysfunction as an early 20 year old. Mm -hmm. And I said, now call me foolish, but call me presumptuous. But I think that that's probably something to question in a 20 year old where the wind goes by and we, you know, this is not a problem. (laughs) 20 20 year old guy. I mean, what kind of urologist and he was actually seen by a urologist. What mm. kind of urologist thought that that was normal? Right. And that was over a decade ago. Mm. What kind of, you know, what kind of urologist would even write that prescription and and tell a young man that this is a normal thing? So it isn't always like Tyler, you say, you know, you kind of have, have beaten yourself up over the years about ignoring some of that. But you know, it's not always the person who's experiencing it. A lot of times those things can be explained away, or you think they certainly can. But when you have the medical community that also doesn't do their due diligence and right. investigate a little further with things right. that kind of don't make sense in a right. young adult, healthy person, you know, a healthy person, that's yeah. that's a little bit of a problem as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when we think about common symptoms of MS, certainly we've mentioned a couple of things. Numbness and tingling can be a common one. People can have it, you know, on one side of their body. Symptoms can be mistaken as a stroke. Sometimes it's in both of their legs or in one leg. Um, People can also have weakness, like dragging their foot or a foot drop. Um, Loss of vision is a very common symptom that we see with MS. And it's one of the ones that's pretty easy for people to recognize and kind of send you to a neurologist. Um, But sometimes it's those other things like bowel or bladder issues, you know, in a young person who hasn't had 10 babies and doesn't have a reason to, you know, lose control of their bladder, you know, those types of things. I think it's just really important for people to listen to their bodies, right? And if something is wrong, um, to get that checked out, you know? Um, And so, you know, I think if there's any message to get across is whether you have MS currently or you don't, you know, or you're concerned about it, you know, if you're having symptoms and you know your body's not right, you know, and go see your doctor very, very and get important. the check out, right? That That's very, the key. You know, don't power through it. Don't be the strong person. You know what I mean? If your foot is dragging, go to the doctor, right? Okay. Get that checked out. Get no, that that's, checked out. Please. People always say, even when they're newly diagnosed, they say, so what, what sorts of things should I be, be on the lookout for? Mm-hmm. What should I be paying attention to? What, yeah. what signifies a relapse? And I say, you know what? First of all, you have to you have to know your body. You have to know mm-hmm. what's what's your norm. And anything that's abnormal, you need to check in. I'm not going to give you a list of things that you might experience, might not experience. Everybody's different and everybody's different in how they experience various symptoms. If it's abnormal for you, you got to get it looked at. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Take the so, cape off, Superman. Take the cape off. Right. Take the yeah, cape exactly. off. Take the cape off, Superman and Superwoman. All Mm -hmm. right, so we talked a little bit about symptoms. Um, Let's talk about how MS is diagnosed, right? You know, so there are lots of people who say, I have all the symptoms of MS, but my MRI is normal, or my MRI looks like this, but I don't have any symptoms. Or, you know, I get a lot of folks who say, my 
whoever cousin said I had a mess or, you know, the, <laughs> whoever, you know, so, so how do we diagnose it? So Tyler, tell us a little bit about the process that you went through to get diagnosed. Yeah, a- absolutely. And and as, again, I, I was, I was a college student and I had access to trainers being a football player. So when I went to go see the team doctor, the team doctor's automatically thinking neuro- neurological something. I mm-hmm. uh, talked with the trainers. I learned he was thinking stroke, but he immediately uh, sent me to Scripps La Jolla Hospital to mm-hmm. see a neurologist. So failed the team doctor's physicals. Then you go to La Jolla. And while I'm in La Jolla, um, because I think because I was an athlete, it was a little bit more rushed, maybe a little bit more pressure to get an mm-hmm. answer. Mm-hmm. Um, spinal tap, Mitzi, within the, another, the next day I was there. Then I had to come back the next day to get a spinal tap. So I went in for an appointment and the doctor says, we got to come back. And then the next day I was able to also get imaging done and set up at a location that was nearby my campus. Mm-hmm. So within a week, guys, of my episode, I was diagnosed. That is extremely, extremely quick. But I was blessed enough to be around the resources. And that's not always the case for anyone underserved, anybody um, in rural areas, just anybody in general, even if you're in the city, that's not normal. But that's why I said I I know that that was one of the things that really helped me in terms of getting um, to a, a place of getting those DMTs early on in my diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that, that is amazing. And that is, you know, what ideally we would love, right? (laughs) If people had symptoms and got diagnosed um, extremely quickly. Um, But what kind of tests Dr. Creighton are done, you know, so Tyler mentioned the MRI, he mentioned a spinal tap. What are those tests for and kind of what do they tell us um, in, in diagnosing somebody with MS? You know, I would just kind of back up a little bit and just say that the most important thing, I think, is really the history. And I see people sometimes that I'm the third person that they're seeing. Mm -hmm. And if you just if you just listen to the story, I kind of walk out saying, how could how could this not be diagnosed? This person sitting in front of me has so clearly told me this, this story. Right. So first and foremost is listen to the story. Right. <laughs> and then imaging, of course, imaging has really changed everything for us because mm-hmm. imaging has made it much, much easier to be able to diagnose somebody with MS. It used to be that you just had clinical elements and sometimes people didn't have things happen for years mm-hmm. and years in between. So it would take a decade, two decades to diagnose right. somebody and so much was already you know done by that point of, right. of time in their lives. So imaging has certainly made that much, much, much easier to do MRI scans. Um, and when we see little white spots, part of the workup is always to do blood work to rule out other reasons for little white spots, right. to rule out other autoimmune conditions, infectious diseases, just to make sure that we really have narrowed out, ruled out other things that can be um, causative agents. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes spinal tap. Some people mm-hmm. do spinal taps routinely. I personally don't. Um, if I have enough information, then I don't do it. I do it if I really yeah. need more information. Yeah. And the imaging has gotten so much better now. You it's know, so great. It, I mean, so think about think about your cell phone back in you know. <laughs> 
you know, <laughs> 2000 and the types of pictures, you know, the really grainy ones <laughs> that we were good analogy. to each other. And now you've got like 4D ultra, you know, yes. cameras. So the MRI right. technology has improved significantly. So there's a lot we can see now that we couldn't see, um, you know, particularly in the spinal cord imaging. Um, yes. you know, that we couldn't see a long time ago. So that and, makes it a lot easier. And Mitzi, comfort for the patient. Um, mm-hmm. I was of the last, I think, transition of the, the enclosed um, MRIs of, that were in the older hospitals still kind of. And, and so a lot of people dealing with claustrophobia and all yeah. those other things, that's a, that's even for more of a reason why they're thinking, I don't want to pursue down that avenue. And those are not the case Absolutely. a lot of times anymore. Absolutely. Absolutely. So MRIs, right? The history is extremely mm-hmm. important. Um, yeah. Spinal tap in some cases may help us in a tiebreaker, maybe, um, yeah. you know, and so those are the things that we kind of put together to make a diagnosis, right? Um, in order for someone to be diagnosed with MS, they have to have, you know, essentially spots in different areas of the brain or the spine, as well as several episodes of inflammation, right? In the past, you had to have two actual episodes of symptoms, but now we know that we can see if we look at your MRI and you have a new spot, that can count kind of as a new episode. In a area. You know, so the diagnosis has gotten a lot easier um, and we're trying to diagnose people earlier and early earlier so that they can be put on effective treatment as early as possible. So let's kind of, you know, think about, so we talked about kind of the symptoms, we talked about how it's diagnosed. Why is it important for us to raise awareness about MS? You know, so I have a whole show about MS, so I know it's important, you know, but for people out there, you know, we're talking about a disease that affects a million people um, in the U.S. I don't know how many million people there are in the U.S., but it's more than one, you know. So why is it important for us to raise awareness about this condition and to make sure that people are, you know, checking in with their neurologist or if they're having neurologic symptoms that they're getting assessed? I'll start with you, Tyler. Um, so I love music, Missy, and there was a song by the Dramatics. I'm thinking old school when I'm cleaning oh, yeah. up and my mama. Oh, yeah. Fly collar. Yeah. Know. My mama made me her music. And there was a song that came on called What You See is it's What, what you, you Get. get. And y'all know the tune. And, and so the reason why it is so important, I didn't see somebody that looked like me, um, Around my age, we talked about this, Missy. Like, I needed to see somebody who wasn't suffering through MS, mm. who didn't sound like what the majority of the stories were that were out there. Mm-hmm. Those things that caused me not to bat an eye towards researching the disease further because Google or life didn't put anybody before me that showed me promise. Mm. And so as a man, I've talked about it. I did not feel I was worthy enough to be loved by somebody. Mm. But had I been able to see someone who had love, who had a family, who had a support system, who had a team, then I would have felt like I can go out and get that. Right. And I found that, but it was later and it was Montel Williams for me. But in the initial, my goodness, I needed to see somebody who had that, somebody who would tell that story, somebody who looked like me, somebody who was living it and doing it big with multiple sclerosis. I didn't find it. Mm. And so changing that narrative and getting to what you see is what you get is what it's all about now. And they need to get more stories like Don. 
They need to get more stories of family members and fathers loving on their daughter and being at doctor's appointments with their son. And it's everybody's MS. And that is out there. We need to see more of it and having more and more people talking about their stories right. is one of the greatest things that we could have. Having them on Facebook, having them on Instagram, taking them into a doctor's experience, having things like that. Yeah. What you see is what you get with MS. That's what mm-hmm. I want. Absolutely. What are your thoughts, Heidi? You know, I think it's really, really important now more than ever because there's so much that we can do mm. and there's so much that we can offer. And we know that this is an ongoing, right? By definition, this is an ongoing process. So the goal is to stop it, stop it now. And we're going to have a much better outcome stopping it now versus five, 10 years down the road. We, at this point, cannot repair the nervous system. So the only thing that we can do to really impact this condition is to not let bad stuff happen. And we have the ability to do that. Hmm. So it's frustrating to see somebody who has not been able to reap the benefits of that. So that's why awareness really needs to be raised. That's why we need to really push for people who have anything that's abnormal to go get checked out and to start medicine sooner than later to kind of help people pull their head out of the sand a little bit and rein in the denial because yeah, it's scary, but it's going to be a lot more scary if we continue denial you know, continue allowing denial to to run one's life. So that's why awareness is so, so important because it's there's so much to be done. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting. So Tyler, when you said what you see is what you get, I didn't know that was the direction you were going in. The direction I was thinking about when you say what you see is what you get is kind of this thought um, that Time is brain. We talk about it with stroke, but we don't talk about it with multiple sclerosis, right? So what you see is what you get means, as you know, Heidi it so eloquently stated, once that damage is done, this is what we're working with, right? Now we can try to prevent it from getting worse. And in many cases, there are things we can do to help with some symptoms. But what we're working with right now, you know, is... It, it may not get completely back to normal, but we can try to keep it from getting worse. And so um, we want to make sure that what we see is as close to normal as possible. Um, yes. And that's why we want to have people diagnosed early. Uh, we want people to, you know, consult with neurologists. We want them to see MS specialists, right? Um, you know, we want them to, you know, be aware of the options that are available so that we can get on top of it and try to treat it, you know, as quickly as possible um, and as effectively as possible. So what are you all excited about? So in the field, of it, there's so much to be excited about, right? Um, but what are you all excited about in, you know, um, the MS community in the MS space. Like I can talk forever about things that I'm I'm excited about, but I want to start with you guys. Tyler, tell us what you're excited about in the patient community. I love how you talked about seeing people, you know, who are living with MS and thriving and raising their kids and their families. What are you excited about that that is that is uh, that's going on in the community? Um, so I, I work I work with a, a lot of student athletes in my time, right? And in Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, like all these different types of athletes, and I've met runners with MS. I've met hockey players, basketball players. I see people who are putting their bodies through grueling tasks day in and day out, right? More extreme. 
right? Then your average individual, Missy, they doing it. Mm. And they're doing it with, with flying colors. Um, so I get excited because I know there are younger generations coming up. And because of all the medical advances, again, because of the stories, because of the willingness to step over what was once considered a boundary of things that you weren't supposed to do with the disease out of a caution and out of a love, that boundary is getting pushed even further and further out. And I'm seeing it. I, I've had conversations like it's not just a figment of the imagination. So I come from the athletic standpoint, having the sports background and just feeling like the only one. And now I have seen it. High schoolers. Goodness, they were diagnosed early, but still they're doing it. And way better than me, Mitzi. Like they actually talking about it. Like they have a one on one conversation with their coaches. The, the community knows that they have MS, the athletic centers, the colleges that are recruiting them. And they're still getting. Wow. I love it. That I love that it. selfishly from a student athlete standpoint, I'm 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 gonna send it, you know, small my population a lot more, but from as a former student athlete, that and then they're getting the resources they need right off the bat for what they need in the classroom. Amazing. That's all I could ask for. Amazing. What about you, Heidi? I think it's so exciting that we have so many different mechanisms of action to treat MS. Just like everybody's MS is different, every person with MS is unique. Their needs are very different. Their MS, their MS is very different. And we like to kind of pigeonhole with these categories, people's MS, but I really truly believe MS is kind of a spectrum yeah. and people fall different places on that spectrum. So to be able to have different mechanisms of action to be able to target what we might think the major issue is with that person's MS makes it so incredibly exciting and to have all these different options. It's not that all these medicines do the same thing. They all have different nuances and different ways of working. And so to be able to look at somebody's particular kind of MS, look at their lifestyle, the person they are, what kind of life they want, and put all that together into a different mechanism of action of a drug and really tailor a product for that particular patient, oof, I mean, that's that's exciting. That's yeah. really, really exciting. Yeah. This is not a one size fits all. Otherwise, we would be bored out of our mind and we would Absolutely. not have the passion for MS that we do. It's because it's so individual and it's mixing mm -hmm. a different cocktail for each patient and to have their input. And, you know, what are your expectations? What do you what do you, what do you want out of your MS? What are your life goals? Tell me about you so I can kind of mix this this concoction that's just for you yeah. based on your particular MS. That's what is exciting to me. Yeah. And we have so many options to do that. Yeah, I, I used to I, have this. Y'all have me so excited because I don't get this perspective from the doctors. And I forget y'all have been through these different stages of progression with awareness in medicine and support. For heaven's yeah. sake, support. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm watching you all smile because I know that you are loving your work. Absolutely. Right. And it's like y'all, it's an adventure for you and you have resources. Absolutely. So as a, I hope more patients or people who are getting, I hope they'll watch this and hear, um, man, they'll feel y'all's energy. Gee, yeah. Feel 
Yeah, I think I'm I'm excited about a lot of things. Like, I get excited easily. But um, <laughs> but I think one of the things that I'm really excited about is achieving this goal. I tell my patients when they come in to see me that my goal is to have social visits mm-hmm. where we talk about their MS for five minutes. Coffee chat. Coffee chat. Look, look over those MRIs and then we talk about where you went on vacation. And I get so excited when someone comes in and I'm like, how you doing? And they're like, great. And I'm like, Any, anything going on? Nope. And I'm like, okay, show me those baby pictures. You know, so <laughs> what concert did you go to? We're going to yep. go see Earth Usher in, you know, Vegas. And, and so that is what I'm excited about. Just being able to do that and really being able to focus to on To see wellness. people for, for the actual person that they yes. are and not for their wow. MS. Yeah. Yes. And to focus on things like wellness, because, you know, we were so bogged down and we still do a lot of symptom management, you know, but we were just so bogged down with trying to figure out how can we get you sleeping through the night with your spasticity and all of this that I didn't have time to tell you about a diet or a little bit of exercise or yoga or meditation and mindfulness, and you know, all of that, because we were just so focused. We had such a laundry list of things to cover at each visit um, that we couldn't even focus on kind of giving you the tools to um, improve your everyday life with MS. And so I think that is something that I'm really excited about. And I really am also excited about so many amazing patient advocates like you, Tyler, kind of lifting your voice, you know, talking to the masses, letting people know, you know, that you can live well with MS. And I think that we just didn't see that, you know, um, Mm. in the past. And so those are things I'm super excited about. So we have a couple questions and I want to address these questions that are in the chat before we, um, you know, begin to round up because, you know, the time is winding down already. (laughs) It's always a good time with y'all. So there was one question about, Open MRIs. Um, So we talked about diagnosis. We talked about imaging um, as, you know, one of the primary things we use um, to diagnose MS. What are your thoughts about open MRIs? So, you know, certainly the MRIs are not the, you know, old ones that we used to do way, way back in the day. Um, But Dr. Creighton, what are your thoughts about people doing open MRIs for for their MS? Right. Right. Thumbs down. (laughs) (laughs) I was hearing you, Tyler. I was hearing you. I was feeling you. I I, I totally understand. But the pictures just aren't so great. Mm -hmm. But I give everybody fairy dust. Anybody and everybody who needs a little fairy dust to get through that machine, I will give fairy dust all day long so I can get a really, really good picture. So all the the open MRIs are just not always as good. And so it's kind of a waste of time and anxiety being on the table when you can't even really get any great information from it. So Mm, how to get in that machine and have some fairy dust to go along with it. Yes. Take a little nap. Do a little snoring. Exactly. Exactly. Come out feeling nice. I'll never forget. I gave up. I gave a patient some fairy dust. You know, we used to do a lot of these spinal taps in the office. You know, I don't know if you still do them, Dr. Crane, but we used to do them in the office back in the day. And so I frequently gave people fairy dust. Uh, <laughs> I remember so many people, you know, were like, uh, this one lady was like, um, Dr. Mincy, I don't feel anything. You know, and she's like, I was like, ma'am, you're feeling mighty nice. So we we want you feeling nice when you go get that MRI. Okay. We you know, you feeling nice. I wish I would have. Okay. Oh. 
Yeah, that model tap. I wouldn't take a little that. nap. Take, oh yeah, yeah. So, um, yes. so uh, next question: um, Are there any links to frequent viral infections prior to the prodrome and early days of MS? I'll mm-hmm. give that one to you, Doctor Creighton. So, you know, we've always talked about there being some infectious e- agent that is involved in that confluence of things that happens for MS to occur, and for a long time, it was. You know, a couple of different viruses kind of entered the, the playing field. And I think we finally have settled once and for all on Epstein-Barr virus. Epstein-Barr virus is the virus that is known to cause mono, infectious mononucleosis, or Tyler, you're very familiar with chronic fatigue syndrome. So oftentimes we know that people, um, you know, people who have MS have usually had mono or Epstein-Barr infection, but not everybody with a history of mono or Epstein-Barr infection has MS. So that part is our missing link there. But there's not really correlation necessarily with just general repeated viral infections and having a diagnosis of MS. That is, there's no correlation there. But we do think that there is some correlation between early infection with Epstein Barr virus mm-hmm. and subsequent diagnosis of MS. Absolutely. And I think you said that you you hit the nail on the head. So last kind of round robin, right? So we talked about what we're excited about in the field of MS. Are there any events during MS Awareness Month that you all are excited about participating in or that are going on in your area? I'm right here. This is, it's only the sixth and I'm here with you guys today. I mean, it just can't get better than this. And this is at the beginning of my month, for goodness sakes. Gosh. Awesome sauce. Awesome sauce. What about you, Tyler? I still I, I still have never made it to the barbecue yeah. event that you No, don't worry, Missy. I got something, I got something in store for you. I've already I put, put put some stuff on for this. I um, for me, so I'm bummed because you know I, I throw my, my annual charity function. Um we missed it. So we made it April the first, right? Oh, I'm, not gonna, okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go that route, but um what I was blessed for, um, and it was kind of like, I'm going to do this selfishly, a gift for me, right? Um, there were three students at the University of Texas who have worked for over two and, a, two and a half years to put together their podcast of my life story. So oh, they went back, wow. they interviewed doctors, my mother, my father, my aunts, wow. my uncles, uh, coaches, people. They found people. I don't even know how they found all these people. And they put together a five episode podcast for the month of March in honor of multiple sclerosis awareness. And so it was a gift to me. And they continued the project even after a year after they graduated. So they got it to it in their junior year and kept going. And now they have jobs and they just now finished. And so I was excited. It meant a lot for them. One of the students, her aunt has MS. Um, so it meant something to her heart. And that's what you were talking about earlier. Dr. Craven, you start to meet different people and form a community. I never knew this person find my story. Um, so that was special. And they put together a podcast on Spotify and Apple and they called it a Campbell Never Quits podcast oh. in honor of multiple sclerosis awareness. Who's cutting onions in here? Who's that cutting was, onions? That was special, right? They're of a different generation. They're they're just college kids. Like they um yeah. So I'm uh, I'm thankful. That's crazy. it. Push the okay. ball forward. So we, how can we how can we find the podcast? Yeah, it's on, on Spotify mm-hmm. and Apple. 
and it, it's called a Campbell never quits. And it's wow. like, it's just all the, the training, like all the interactions you talked about, the trainers, the doctors, like I never, I didn't have, I haven't had those discussions with people since I was in college. Mm. I, you know, some of these people I haven't talked to in ages and it wasn't about wow. MS. Um, wow. So it's, it's all around those things. And I, so I was, I was thankful. I thought they were, they were amazing. Y'all don't give up hope in the next generation. There, there's some good wow. ones. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Well, you know, obviously I'm excited to be here with two of my favorite superstars because, you know, it is always a good time with you guys. Um, I think I am excited about um, a documentary uh, that Tyler um, and Don Morgan and I participated in about MS and the Black community. And we had a movie premiere with the popcorn and the snacks and all the things. Um, and that is going to air on PBS um, sometime in the next month or so. So that that was really, really exciting. You know, uh, Tyler is prophesying we're going to get us an Emmy. So we, we'll see what happens. Come uh, on. You got to speak into existence. What you see is what you get, Mitzi. That's right. What you, that's I'm going right. to be singing that the rest of the night, right? Okay. <laughs> Right. So, um, (laughs) but yeah, there's just so many amazing things. There's so many MS walks going on um, around the country. You know, I encourage everyone to see what's going on in your community, see how you can get involved, join the movement, let your voice be heard, tell your stories. You never know who is listening and who will be blessed um, by you just talking about your MS um, and letting other people know that um, they're going to be okay. So with that being said, we are at the end of our time. Um, thank you guys so much for spending part of your Monday night with me and with our Brain Chat friends. Um, and don't, guys, don't forget to go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, all the things I hard download and subscribe to the podcast. Um, and I will see everyone again in two weeks. Have a great night, everybody. Bye.